Welcome to the broadcast at Mount Gilead Baptist Church. We invite you to join us here on this station each Sunday morning at 8 a.m. We also invite you to join us in person at 11 a.m. The church is located at 5332 Highway 52 East, Dahlonega, Georgia. Now join Pastor Les Fuller as he brings God's Word. I have so much enjoyed the last uh, three Sundays that I have been able to preach. We missed one because we had the missionary here with us uh, speaking about his, uh, the work that he was doing. But for three Sundays, I have had the privilege to preach to you a message about Christmas. And I don't think I've ever felt more influenced by the Holy Spirit in my study preparing to preach and then preaching the messages as I have had this year at Mount Gilead. 
our church has been so blessed and continuing to be blessed. As the choir was singing, I was looking over here on this side of the church at the engagements that we have in our young families and another one that took place yesterday. Would you give me a round of applause for Jim Sidney and Beth... Uh, Marianne and Bethany and Kevin. Marianne, I, I was going to say your name, so I'm sorry. But uh, I'm so thankful. I don't know how we could be more blessed. And then uh, Andrew and Olivia there and uh, uh, Jacob and Emily. Anybody else got an engagement they want to do today? Uh, but I am so thankful for what God has done in our family and continues to do. Let's read to get together from the Word of God, Luke chapter number 2, and I'm going to break in at verse number 8. And there were in the same country shepherds, abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were sore afraid. And the angel said unto them, Fear not. For behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign unto you. You shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host, Praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. And it came to pass, as the angels were gone away from them into heaven, the shepherds said one to another, Let us now go even unto Bethlehem, and see this thing which is come to pass, which the Lord hath made known unto us. And they came with haste, and found Mary, and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. And when they had seen it, they made known abroad the saying, which was told them concerning this child. And all the, they that heard it wondered at those things which were told them by the shepherds. But Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. And the shepherds returned glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen as it was told unto them. The message of the birth of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. It never gets old. I've enjoyed reading this message from my youth on up to today. And I've often looked at uh, different places in history and wondered as you have as well, how that they may have celebrated Christmas back in the days of yesteryear. It surprised me when I began to search and to read and to look about uh, Christmas and how that uh, our early church fathers celebrated it. It was a bit different than the way that you and I celebrate it today. And we'll talk about some of that a little later on in the service. In some countries... Uh, not too far away from, uh, from the time period of where I'm going to be preaching from, why they even omitted Christmas altogether, taking away that gospel message and hope of peace for all of the world. 
Can you imagine living in a community or a country where that Christmas would have been omitted? But in fact, through world history, they have done that in times past. But today I want to preach to you about one of my favorite periods of history to study about. Some of you have uh, grandparents and even parents that were on the end of that cycle of history that I love so very well. So in your mind, I want you to think about maybe perhaps the, uh, the, the late 1800s to the early 1900s, that period of time which was so beneficial for American history. Our country was growing and expanding in so many ways. These mountains were unusual, to say the least, with many of us that have that Scotch-Irish descendants or European uh, descendants that came over here and uh, set up their homesteads here in these mountains. There's some things that have been preserved in the mountains that are even with us today. And I want to say the, the thing that I think that is so unique to the Appalachian Mountains and this range that runs up the eastern seaboard is our dialect. Some of you talk different than any other place that they do in the United States. I don't have any trouble understanding you because I'm one of you. But our dialect is different. The way that we uh, view God with our biblical worldview is different than many places in the United States. But when I look at these groups of people that, that were here when, uh, when, when the foundations of the United States was really being challenged and uh, uh, seeing how that they, they conducted themselves and how that they lived, I, I just can't fathom being one of those people. And when you really think about it, it hadn't been that too far ago or too far back. Let me, let me put it to you this way. I can still remember when I was a boy going to funerals of people that were born in the 1800s. And some of you look like you were born in the 1800s. I remember those people. I sat with them. And so therefore that time period is really not that far ago. But I guess to me the reason why I'm so drawn to that time period and the period of Christmas that we're going to talk about is the primitive way that they lived and how that they survived through that harsh environment of the cold winters, uh, the hot summers, and, and brought up not just two to three children, but in many cases, some of them would have eight to 10 to 12, 13, 14, 15 children all in one little room cabin. And it's from there that many people have that, uh, that fuzzy feeling in their heart about Christmas. And they say, those were the good old days. Well, I beg to differ. These are the good old days. When you can sit in a warm house and go get your food from a can or from the grocery store. Uh, and, and I wonder, am I, man, am I man enough to live the way that they lived? So in your mind, let's think about their homes of that old-fashioned Christmas of the late 1800s and perhaps the early 1900s. Most of the time, they would have lived, as I said, in a one-room cabin. Logs that they would have gone out and hewn themselves. And I look at the men here today, and I just want to say nobody in this church, 
I think would have been man enough to do the way that they did. They would go to the woods and cut the trees down with a cross-cut saw, bring those logs back to the place where the house was going to be uh, built and where children would be born in that log cabin, and they would have brought those logs, hewed them, cut them, and set them up, and sometimes it would have just been a husband and a wife. And I ask these young children here today that are going to get married in the days ahead, could y'all do that? I don't know. Houses would have been built by hand. They would have had not only just a log cabin, but in some places they would have had what they called a a dog trot home, where they would have had the kitchen in the back and a little space of of a roof line that the food would have been prepared in the back and then the front, the log home, where they all slept and, and perhaps lived in the evening time. They had the reasoning for this through what I've read that Uh, In the summertime, the kitchen would get so hot you couldn't bear it. So they would separate the kitchen from the home. But it was from there in that kitchen where all the food would have been put up, preserved, and taken care of in that log cabin to have uh, that, that, that grubbing of life here in these mountains. Wouldn't it have been something to come up and see smoke coming out of the chimney at Christmas time in a family in there with perhaps snow on the ground and the kids gathered around with no gifts. They would have had nothing but maybe an orange or a piece of peppermint and that would have been their Christmas. And so they didn't celebrate the way that we did with great anticipation in these mountains for this one holy day of the year where that we come together and we sing. And I've read where that people wouldn't celebrate, and it wasn't because they didn't believe, but it's because they didn't have anything much to give. And you build the anticipation up in those kids to the point that, that they, they knew that it was Christmas, but they wouldn't get anything. But they had each other, and they had a family, and a unit of family that would be all around them. So their homes was a central place where that they were gathered and you do imagine as a man going out to build your cabin, and not only had you had to have the skill set to be able to build this cabin and put it up, uh, but you had to have a skill set with animal husbandry. What that means is that not only would you have to work good with animals, that you had to learn their natures to be able to train a mule or a horse or a team of oxen to drag those logs. And not only did you have animal husbandry, but you had to learn how to take care of them in their needs. And so throughout the whole year, their livelihood depended on that man and that woman working together. The divorce rate was not very high in this time period because they needed each other. Just the other day, I was reading in a book of a, uh, of a settlement north of here in uh, West Virginia, Kentucky, and Tennessee, and that place in the United States which was so wild and, and, and uh, untamed, so to speak. Uh, poor old mountaineer had lost his wife. And at the funeral, everybody had come gathered around. The poor old man was so hurt. He had a house full of children to take care of. And the preacher comes to him. And, uh, and he was so moved by the community. But the preacher comes to him as this man is, is praying for help from God. The preacher says to the mountaineer, says, we've done all that we can do for you. 
but I can point you to one that can help you. And he said, where's she at? He needed somebody to help take care of those kids. Yeah, and so they would have, they would, as soon as one wife would pass away, a lot of times the mountaineers would, and in fact, I'm a product of that. My great-grandfather that lived in these mountains, he had a family on up in, in Chattanooga. His wife died, and he comes back to the mountains where he was born and raises eight more kids on top of the uh, four or five that he already had and those big families. I, and can you imagine having to provide for all those mouths? But in fact, that's how they lived, providing every single day of their lives. They were hardworking people, and for that reason, it's a test to my manhood and ought to be to every man. Could we survive during that time? And then not only their homes, let's consider their hunger. In this old-fashioned Christmas, sometimes there was not enough. I've even read where that people were so hungry during the winter months that they were forced to go out and, and gather chestnuts and acorns and things like that that would fall from the trees and eat just like the pigs did in those mountains. Some of you remember your grandparents saying this, that they would raise a hog out and every year at Thanksgiving they would kill it. The weather's not like it was, or the pattern's not at least, for us to have hog killings in Thanksgiving anymore. But they would notch the ear of those hogs, marking it as a certain mark so that they would know that that hog was theirs. And at Christmas, at Christmas time or around Thanksgiving, they would set out and they would hunt those hogs like men hunt deer today. Could you imagine that? Trying to put food on the table... I share a story that was told to me. In fact, it was not just told to me. I'm a first-hand witness of it. I was there as Dean Bryant and Joe D. were talking about this. Dean and I had bumped into one another visiting over here at Joe D.'s house. And that period of time that I'm talking to you about was really Joe D.'s parents and some of your, your parents and great-grandparents uh, and great-grandparents and so on. We were sitting at Jody's table, and Dean, the man of God, sitting there, and he says, he says, uh, Jody, I, I was visiting when I was a boy over here on the farm, and, and there, there sat your mother, and she was crying at the table. He was a boy. Now, he was not on up in years and preaching there, but he says, I came to the house with, their, with my family visiting your family, and their families had come together. And they were crying because they were going to kill their last little pig. Anybody that knows anything about the ways of the settlers and the people that came through, you don't kill little pigs. You kill hogs. That's a big pig. But times had gotten so bad, and Joe D. said, was telling Dean, and she was crying and wiping the tears out of her eyes. As she says, well, preacher, we had gotten down to our last little bit of food for the winter. We needed some help. We were poor and we needed God. We needed some help. And they killed their little pig to survive that winter on that little pig. Could you imagine living like that? Thinking that this was going to be the last, perhaps, Christmas meal that we had 
for our family and the family rejoice. You, you know that family as well as I do. Some of them are sitting here among us today. They survived and God provided. And Christmas time was oftentimes a time of hunger. Their fruit, food production would have been brought in in the, uh, in the summer months and they would have canned and preserved everything that they could to live. And I ask our young ladies that are sitting here today, could you stand over an open fire, not a canner, but an open fire and a kettle cooking and wood under that and can your food the way that they did for days on end, canning everything that you could. I read this as of late that even in childbearing, the mothers would often work right up till the time that the child was to be born. And if it was summertime, they would be out picking berries and everything that they could to, to try to preserve and put up for the winter. A lady had been in her ninth trimester and she was, she was getting ready to give birth and she's off at the briar patch. And there, all of a sudden, the birth pains hit her and nobody there and she has that baby by herself at the briar patch. And the thought crossed her mind according to what she says. She says, I didn't know which one to bring home first for I'd sweated over them both, the berries or the baby, to try to survive. I mean, can you imagine that? Living that way and giving birth to your own children? Um, I've got family, and Phil and I both do, as being family uh, of, a, of a midwife up in the mountains, and that was her job. And I ask all you young mothers here today, could you do like some of them did? And we've got people here sitting among us today that were born at home. Farrell raised her hand. She wasn't ashamed to say it. <laughs> you was born in the briar patch, wasn't you, Tim? <laughs> but could you imagine that and the hunger that they would have to try to feed those children? And we're so blessed today because we have been given so much. But they had hope. I've also read at the old-fashioned Christmas that they oftentimes misread the scriptures. What do you mean, preacher? Well, they would, a lot of times these men, that they would call them their bishop or their pastor in these mountains, a lot of them were illiterate. They could not read. And they would take the scriptures and by the time that they had told it over and over again it would get distorted to the point where it was kind of watered down what they were saying and they would make up for their lack of understanding they would make up for their for their lack of knowledge of knowing what the Bible actually said with great emotionalism and they would they would oftentimes act out and they wouldn't even say that they would even be in a service or had a real service if the preacher hadn't got up and sweated and just worked over that congregation and made a big show. And for them, that was what their church was all about, was hyper-emotionalism. You say, preacher, was it all wrong? No, it wasn't all wrong. There was enough there that they could see people get saved. And uh, I read some history about Christmas in Lumpkin County in the late 1800s. And did you know that in Christmas time in, in Dahlonega, it was oftentimes a hoorah. There was a little bit of a celebration of Jesus Christ, but most of the men 
would head out to their whiskey stills and bring back what they had 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 made in their in their copper pots and brought it back home back home and there stayed a drunk all Christmas. You know I'm telling you the truth. These are your people and my people. And little by little, people began to learn the scriptures and read the Word of God as education began to get a little bit more uh, available to people and still. And still, in that time period, people would have uh, a time where that they would come together and just be, be, be together one-on-one with a family. I love this period of history because it was during this time that God chose to bring the, great, the second great awakening to the United States of America. And it wasn't so much in this area because we were so far back away from time why even when the 30s came they said a lot of the old timers said they didn't even know that there was a decline in the nation of, of, of money after the stock market crashed because they were so poor they didn't even use money to trade with because they didn't have it and now we've got more money in our bank account than what the whole county was operating on back during that time period and I ask every man and woman today, could you survive during that Christmas time? Your dad off, a lot of the times he'd take off up to the woods with the other men in the whiskey still, and they said they would shoot their guns for no reason at all, just to let everybody know that this was how they celebrated Christmas. But I'd like to say this to you today. In spite of everything that was wrong, there was something that was right. I've had my family tell me that my great-grandmother, whom I remember, that was born in the 1800s, she couldn't read, nor could she write. But they used to say that she would take a Bible and set it in her lap and just flip through the pages and pray and weep over God's Word wishing, wishing that she could understand more of the Word of God. And she would call the family together and there they would pray over something that she couldn't even read. And at Christmas time, the family would gather around and they would have a meal, whatever it was, enjoy each other's company for just a little while. You know what I want for Christmas this year? for every one of you to be happy, healthy, and well, and to be right with God. That's what I want for Christmas. I don't need anything from a store. I don't need anything uh, clothing-wise. I don't need anything for, for shelter or for food. It's all been taken care of. I tell you, these are the good old days. As we think about our ancestors and our forefathers, how that they lived, be thankful. Be thankful that you have what you've got here today. I've often read the stories of those old preachers of how that they would conduct services, and it's very different from what we do today. And it would be nothing uncommon for people to uh, have funerals Somebody would pass, 
those mountain log cabins and homes, and the family would go ahead and bury them, but they wouldn't have the funeral for maybe months afterwards till after the ground would be thawed out and people could travel and come and, and go as they needed to. And they would gather the whole community in, and there they would come celebrate somebody's life. I want to ask you something that's bothered me so much about that time period. Could you imagine if you had a son or a daughter that sickness had come, the pandemic, the flu pandemic that came, was it 1917, that destroyed so many lives right through this area. People died from the flu. Some of you came into church this morning, you said, Preacher, I feel so much better. I've just, I've gotten over the flu. We got phone calls. People today said, I won't be at church because I'm sick with the flu. And at Christmas time, they would bury those children and wait for a preacher to come through. I can't imagine being a pastor during that time and you being the only pastor for five, six, seven churches. Can you imagine that? Bob Childress was the preacher up in West Virginia, and he pastored 14 churches at one time. He would preach most Sundays three to four times, and he would travel into these mountains where nobody was at, and he said, said he'd be on his mule riding. He said the choir would be singing. He said it sounded like heaven as he come up on the, on the grounds of those people singing those old hymns. And there they'd come into the church and he'd worship with them for just a little while, preach to them from the Word of God, and go on to the next congregation. You have listened to Pastor Les Fuller at Mount Gilead Baptist Church. Please join us at 11 a.m. at 5332 Highway 52 East, Dahlonega, or view our live stream on Facebook. May God bless you for listening. 97.5 Glory FM, your family radio station in North Georgia.